worship you, Almighty God, there is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace, that is what I long to do. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. Oh, I worship you, Almighty God, there is none like you. Amen. We just worship you, God. We, we just proclaim there is none like you. Thank you that we can know you. Even when we're not gathered in a building, we can worship you. We can know you. We can exalt you. We can encounter your presence. And thank you for every person that's joined together in this service this morning. Thank you for every person that's listening, uh, whatever's going on in their lives. Lord, we just pray that they have an encounter with you as we're opening our hearts to your will and to your word. We pray you'd move in us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for joining me today at Gateway Church Live. Man, it's a privilege to have you again in my home. And uh, so excited that you're joining by uh, way of our online church platform. And I want to encourage you, jump into the jump into the chat. Jump into the, ask for prayer, you know. Uh, we really want to encourage you and see God working in your life. And then at the end of the service today, something new that we're going to be doing is a session called Meet Me in the Lobby, and I have a Zoom uh, address uh, set, and we'll let you know at the end of the service how you can join me and just uh, have a bit of a time of visiting and uh, interacting with each other. And so we'd love to see you. We'd love to invite you to come to the lobby, and let's just let's just hang out together for a few minutes. But I want to jump into the word this morning called the new normal. Rewriting the way we do church and the title of my message is there's no plan B. And so when we talk about this series of rewriting the way we do church, uh, I want us just to take some time to rediscover uh, some victorious patterns in the New Testament church as they uh, encountered adversity, just like we're encountering adversity, that we could discover some of the victorious patterns in our own life, how we could do church. You know, the Bible says that God works everything to the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And, you know, even in the midst of hardship, hard times, adversity, God can use those things to move us into blessing and into his goodness. And, you know, COVID-19, as, as bad as it is, is not going to destroy the church. It's not going to bring the church down, but it can show us some things. A couple of things it can show us. It can show us our our uh, values, what we value, like worship, uh, being together, uh, seeing God glorified, you know, seeing baptisms and hearing testimonies about how God is good to, to others. And we, we see God glorified in those things. And then it shows us our weaknesses. Can we worship without a building? You know, we can't gather. How do we, how do we encounter the presence of God? You know, uh, do we really know each other? You know, are we really connecting with each other? Do we know each other's phone numbers? And, and are we really able to care for each other uh, as, when we can't be together? Are we really loving our neighbors? You know, we do lots of things to outreach as a church with mercy and, and outreach Sundays and so on. But are we really able to love our neighbors and show them the love of God? 
And that's one of the weaknesses I think that it's showing us. But I want to encourage you that God is with us. He's not going to leave us. We can trust him and he's launching us forward in ways that we might never have imagined. You know, even just a month ago, I was just thinking uh, we had about 406 people in church, yeah, which is really fantastic, really significant. We're praising God for that. But did you know last Sunday, uh, on Easter Sunday, we had 1,229 people in service with us, uh, worshiping God, encountering God, hearing his word. And, and so I just want to encourage you that we didn't even imagine that God would do such a thing or could do such a thing a month ago. And uh, he's causing us to think different. He's causing us to be different, to be the church in a different way. And I believe as God is using us as a church, God also wants to use you, uh, your family, and your life. You know, Daniel 11.32 says, The people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. <laughs> There's something really cool about that verse, is it tells us who's going to be strong and do great exploits. It's the people who know their God. It's not uh, just in the easy times, in the comfortable times, uh, that God can use us. It's not just in those times when we're, we're uh, thinking about the goodness of God, but it, it can be in those times of trial that we're forced to hold on to God, to get to know him, to, to reach out to him, to long to know him more in our lives, that we can actually be strengthened by God and used by God to do great exploits for him. Uh, you know, it's those times when the screws get tightened that we suddenly realize how much we need him, that we come to know him. You know, God doesn't want us just to survive. He doesn't want us just to get by or squeak through, but he wants you to know him so that you can be strong and do great exploits for him. You know, uh, I know a tiny little lady She's a sweetheart. She's got the sweetest, kindest smile. She, there's nothing fearful about her. She's so approachable and kind, not scary in any way. But when things get hard for people, you know, when all hell seems to be breaking loose, it's amazing how many people find my wife. You know, they find Carla uh, and they ask her, would you pray for me? Would you, would you uh, help me? You know, would you, I'm just looking for someone to get through to God on my behalf. And you know, God answers her prayers, <laughs> even though she's tiny and, uh, and doesn't look very powerful at all. She is strong because she knows God and God wants you to be strong so that you are to know him so that you can be strong as well. You know, Jesus gave his church a very clear mission, and he's given Gateway a clear mission, and that's that we're all to love uh, God with everything we got. We're, we're all to love him, to worship him. We're all to love one another and care for one another, and we're all to reach out to others and show them the love and the goodness of God. I have a short video I want you to watch called The Jesus Pattern about how we're called to all the same three things. So watch this.
To be a disciple means we're learning to be like Jesus, growing in his character while learning to do the things he could do, developing his competencies. It's about character and competency. To do this, we increasingly pattern our life after the life of Jesus. So one of the questions we have to ask is how Jesus would pattern his life if he had your job, if he had your personality type, your family situation, lived where you lived, or made the same amount of money that you make. When we examine the life of Jesus in the Gospels, what we see emerge is a particular way of relating to the world around him. He is very intentional in how he used his time to invest in certain kinds of relationships. It's the pattern of his whole life and ministry. Put another way, Jesus had three great loves that his entire life oriented around. In Mark 9, 2 through 29, we see Jesus go up a mountain to pray. But this wasn't abnormal for Jesus, was it? Throughout his life, he was constantly getting away from the crowds and everyone else to spend time with his first love, attending to the upward dimension of his life, his relationship with his Father. We then see him come down the mountain and run straight into the people he's investing his life into, his disciples. Jesus was never ambiguous about who his spiritual family was. In attending to the inward dimension of his life, Jesus spent more than 50% of his time with just his spiritual family and no one else. But then, he steps out into the full brokenness of the world, driving out an evil spirit from a troubled boy. Jesus attends to the outward dimension by dealing with sin head on. He's concerned with how sin affects individuals, how each person is separated from God because of their sin and doomed because of it. And he's concerned that when you get a bunch of sinful people together, they create systems of sin and injustice. Sin creates individual problems and communal problems. Jesus stepped out and brought hope to both. Three great loves. He was deeply connected to his father. He was constantly investing in those his father had given him to disciple and to be spiritual family with. And he entered into the brokenness of the world with good news and asked for a response individually and communally. To be disciples of Jesus, we pattern our life in the same way that Jesus did, up, in, and out. Most people are naturally good at one. They're okay at a second, and they're fairly bad at a third. But rather than simply playing to our strengths, we commit to be learners. The invitation of Jesus is to pattern our life after His, to learn His ways, and to let His power be made perfect in our weakness. But we also recognize that because a collection of Christians is the body of Jesus, we want the full expression of Jesus, not just parts of it, so that these three dimensions saturate community life as well. Whether it's a group of eight people or a group of 8,000, when a group of people is committed to truly being the body of Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins stoking the fires of a red-hot center by which people can't help but be drawn into the warmth of. When we have a spiritual family learning to live into up, in, and out in a communal way, people the Lord has prepared can't help but be drawn in because this community is the gospel made visible. This is the mission of the church. This is our mission. You know, there is no plan B when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus. 
COVID-19 is certainly changing things for how we're going to do church, how we're going to be the church. But really, those things remain that we're going to live our lives up towards God, worshiping God. We're going to live our lives in relationship, in small groups, in groups that will connect so that we can be discipled and cared for. And then we're also going to live our lives in an outward focus, that we're bringing the love of God, uh, the uh, glory of God to the world. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about how God is speaking to me about worship. And I believe he's speaking to us as a church about worship. God is showing us that he wants to restore worship in our homes in this time. You know, we've been worshiping God in our church, but this is a time when God is saying, you know what? I'm pleased with your worship at church, but I want you to worship me in your home. I want you to worship God when you're with your family. I want you to worship me. You know, Jesus said, my house, this is what Jesus said. He's talking about his house. My house will be a house of prayer. You know, prayer is the highest form of worship. It's words that exalt the name of God. It's words that declare the goodness of God. It's words that, that uh, declare who God is. You know, Jesus said to pray this way, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Holy Lord, you're so amazing, God. You're such a good Father. You know, Jesus was worshiping God with his prayer. You know, we have homes, and our homes are also to be houses or places of prayer and worship. And this morning, here you are finding yourself at worship where? in your home because Jesus is wanting to restore worship in your home. He's wanting his name to be glorified in your home, in your family, in your life. Why? Because God is restoring worship in our homes during this time of crisis. What happens when we eliminate worship from our homes? Well, we begin to depend on ourselves. We begin to depend on our education, what we know, what we can do, on our ability to, to create wealth and, and provide for ourselves. And we depend on the message of the culture and to be entertained and all these sorts of things. But what happens when you worship in your home? Well, the story of the Bible in Genesis chapter 22 is the story of Abraham and his son Isaac as they go to worship. And as they go to worship, the Bible shows us what God does on Abraham's behalf. And I, I just think there's some truths in here that we can learn from and see what will happen in our homes. Number one, the Lord would protect. You know, as Abraham was worshiping God, the Bible says that, that God protected his son. You know, worship releases protection as we give God his rightful place. You know, we can try our best to protect, but man, is it ever good when God is protecting on our behalf, protecting our families, protecting our homes, protecting our lives, and we can have confidence in our God. Another thing is that the Lord leads us. The Lord leads us. 
Abraham was led by God as he was worshiping him. He wasn't just following what everyone else was doing. He wasn't just following the news and following the advice, following what he thought was best. But as he was in worship, he was hearing God's voice. He was ears became sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit began to lead Abraham. Isn't that awesome to think that as we would have worship in our homes, that the Holy Spirit would begin to lead us and cause our ears to be sensitive to what God wants and we can have confidence in him. Another thing that happens when we worship in Abraham worship is the Lord provided. The Lord provided for Abraham. Abraham received provision of a ram when he was worshiping. And the ram is actually a foretelling of Jesus. You know what happens when you worship? Is you receive provision from Jesus. God provides for you. He provides righteousness to you. He provides uh, protection to you. He provides a way for you. A way for you to hear God and know God. And, and to walk in his will and his ways. And I just get so excited about thinking. As God is restoring worship in our homes to our families. That God is going to. Uh, restore provision to you. You're not just going to be depending on yourself and what you can do, but there's going to be a release of provision uh, that comes through Jesus. And then the fourth thing that we can learn in this story in Genesis 22 of Abraham is the Lord releases us. The Lord releases us when we have worship restored in our homes. You know, Abraham's son Isaac was bound. He was bound up, but in worship, he was released. You know, sin binds. Shame binds. Fear, it binds us up. It holds us back. But in worship, we're released. <laughs> Isn't that amazing what worship can do? It releases us. It puts faith in our hearts of things, uh, from things that hold us back from what God wants to do in our lives. It sets us free. It sets our families free. So how do I worship in my home? I want to give you three ways that you could begin to worship God. Number one is we can give Jesus a voice, a prominent place in our home. We can give Jesus a voice. And so when I say give Jesus a voice, I mean, let's, let's turn to the word. Let's turn to the word of God. You know, we, we all have the scripture available to us, but let's give the scripture a prominent place. Let's talk about the word. Let's, let's read the word uh, ourselves. Let's be memorizing the word. But let's talk about what we're reading in the word with each other. What, what God is speaking to us through the word. And it begins to give the word a prominent place. The word of God having prominence. And I want to encourage you. Uh, maybe every day there would be a scripture verse that someone would bring. Hey, God, this is a special verse for me today. Or this is what God showed me today. And, and you could, in your family, be uh, just giving the Word of God a prominent place. And I'm encouraging you, let's release worship uh, through giving Jesus' voice a prominent place uh, in our homes. The second way is we can lift Jesus' name up in our homes. And one of the ways, great ways of doing that is just sharing stories of the goodness of God. You know, just this week we prayed God, make a way for us in our home. Our power all went down. We couldn't figure it out. And it turned out there was a big fuse that 
blue and it was holiday Monday and there was no, uh, or Sunday, I guess it was actually, and uh, no way of getting the part. And, and turns out my nephew, who's an electrician, had the exact piece in his van and came over and popped it in. And I'll tell you, it was an answer to prayer. It was just like Jesus was so good to us. And we've been encouraging each other. We've been telling the story to our friends about how Jesus has been so good to us. And so let's just look for ways to exalt the name of Jesus. Lift up the name of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus. We're going to be singing about the goodness of Jesus in just a minute. Thomas is going to lead us. And uh, then lastly, uh, how do I worship in my home is sing or pray out loud in your home. And I want to encourage you just even uh, take time. So you might not be able to sing. You might be convinced you can't sing. But you can, you can use your voice. You can give God glory with your voice. You can say a prayer. Like Jesus, like I pray the, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. We bless your name, God. God, you are good. Lord, we depend on you. We declare the goodness of God over our home, over our lives, over our children, over our grandchildren. Lord, you are good. You are strong and mighty in power. Lord, you go out and fight for us. Lord, you make a way for us when there seems there's no other way. And we give you glory in our lives, in our home, in our families, Lord. So you can actually use your voice. Say it out loud. You know, I often do this as I'm praying for the church. I go into the church auditorium and I just, I'm by myself, but I say it out loud. I declare the goodness of God. I declare the faithfulness of God. I declare the power of God. I declare the faithfulness of God. And I, I do that. And I encourage you to do the same thing in your home. And you might live by yourself and, and uh, whatever. But you can still out loud say prayers. You can hear it with your ears. And uh, it speaks to your own heart even. And uh, it speaks to God. I want to just end today with this scripture. Revelation 4.11. It says, You are worthy. Oh, our Lord and God, you are worthy, our Lord and God. I'm just going to ask you, would you say that out loud with me right now? You are worthy, our Lord and God. You're worthy, our Lord and God. Just say it out loud. Say it a few times. You are worthy. You are worthy, oh God. You're worthy, God. You're worthy to receive glory and honor and power. You're worthy, God. For you created all things, and by your will, there were created and have their being. You know what, kids? Your parents were created by God. <laughs> Everything that you see in the, you look out the windows, the trees and the mountains and the sky, created by God. God is worthy of our praise. Parents, your children are a gift from God, created by God. Oh, man, we thank you, God. Thank you for what you've given to us. Thank you, Lord. We just give you praise. You are worthy, O oh God, of our praise and uh, thanksgiving, Lord. We're going to shift gears right now, and uh, we're going to just sing a song. Thomas is going to lead us. And then after the song, Pastor Kimmy is going to come, and she's going to help us 
think through how we can be together. This is so important, church. This is so important. This is this is a new normal for us. And I'm inviting you. I'm urging you with all the urgency that I can express. This is important. Please do not dismiss what Pastor Kimmy has to say following this song. But let's right now be in worship. And then I urge you to listen very carefully and then act on what Pastor Kimmy is going to lead us in. God bless you today. Just appreciate you so much. Allow worship to be restored to your home. Encourage it. Take steps today to lift up the name of Jesus. Exalt his, give his word a prominent place and to speak the word, sing the, the word of God into your home, the praises and the worship of God. God bless you. Thanks for watching today.